from Manhattan Associates, this is Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the most important topics in the industry and learn how leaders are managing their supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host, Chris Shaw. I'd like to give a quick reminder to all our listeners that we're adjusting our podcast a bit for the next few weeks as we focus on the impacts and the outcomes of COVID-19 and what that will mean for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers in both the near and long term. So you'll be getting a short form of our podcast, but the plan is to do a whole lot more of them for you. I want to apologize today in advance for any audio discrepancies. All of us on the podcast here are quarantined at home, just like you. On today's episode, we're talking about managing our workforce during a pandemic. And joining us today is Peter Schnorbach, Senior Labor and Engagement Product Leader at Manhattan Associates. Welcome back, Peter. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. And today we also have a special guest, Steve Banker, VP of Supply Chain Management at ARC Advisory Group and a frequent contributor to publications such as Forbes and Logistics Viewpoints. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Thank you, Chris. Peter, a few weeks ago, we did a podcast where we discussed the tightness of the labor market and the need to better understand and motivate employees and balancing automation in the human workforce. That few weeks seems like an eternity now. Last week, the U.S. recorded its highest applications for unemployment in 50 years, 10 times higher, actually. And on the flip side, for those essential warehouse laborers, we're seeing concerns about safety and being overworked. And then you throw into the mix organizations like Amazon and Walmart who are trying to hire hundreds of thousands of employees while other organizations are having to furlough their workers. It has been an insane few weeks for distribution centers, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has, Chris. I mean, we have seen some dramatic changes um, taking place within the industry as a result of, you know, both having to uh, furlough workers. And we've also seen a lot of clients who are desperately trying to hire workers. So pretty interesting dynamics for sure. Steve, you're pretty closely connected with organizations that are running distribution centers and warehouses. What are a few things that those organizations managing labor are dealing with as a whole right now? Perhaps some that don't even come to mind right away, because it seems like each week the line in the sand keeps moving. Yeah, I I guess um, there are emerging best practices around keeping your people safe in a warehouse during COVID-19. So uh, we have a client, um, and I'm sure they don't want to be named, but they have warehouses and factories around the world. And, um, you know, they got hit in China. And then they had um, they had a fact they had a factory in Italy. They got hit there, and they've learned what they have, and they're considered uh, vital. Um, you know, uh, the governments want to keep them open if they possibly can. Um, so their their game book is um, people line up to go into the warehouse. They're separated by, in Europe, it would be two meters. Here, it would be six feet. Uh, everybody is standing on a placemat. The person at the front of the line has their temperature taken. Uh, if they don't have a fever, they go in. The next person comes up in, li- uh, in line. There are masks and gloves for everyone, um, assuming you can get them, that, you have, that you've acted quickly enough to do that. And when they're working in the warehouse, uh, workers are always separated by at least two meters. And if there's workstations, they have to separate those workstations by two meters. And they have to um, 
they have to sort of do rolling breaks and rolling lunch. You can't have too many people in the, the lunch room at the same time. Um, and then the other thing I, I heard from this chief supply chain officer is you, you have to tell your people, you know, how much you respect them for coming in during this and that they're coming in because they're providing a vital service that people need and they should be proud of that. I think that's super important. And Peter, that's something that we've talked about. In fact, we did on our previous podcast about the idea of motivation um, and, and behavior and what motivates and drives us personally. And in this time, when w these workers are so concerned about their own health, the health of their families, they're also concerned about keeping their job. How does that change? How does that behavioral motivation change from I'm trying to excel and do better than the person next to me and to just, hey, I'm trying to stay motivated enough to go to work when I'm worried about being at work every day? Yeah, I think um, I, I think that's a very important point. Uh, and Steve, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, one of the things that we're hearing from our customers is that they are suspending or not enforcing um, their policies on productivity um, and even um, attendance in some cases. Um, you know, they need people to show up for work. They need people to do the work. Um, and people are really nervous right now, you know, while, while the rest of us are sheltering in place, you know, safe and sound in our homes, you know, warehouse workers are getting in their cars every morning and going to work. And I think there is a, a deep sense of um, concern among the workers. There've been a lot of articles recently about, um, you know, companies uh, who haven't been treating their workers very well. And, you know, there have been walkouts um, and protests um, and things like that. And, and I think that is really a reaction just to the anxiety uh, that the workers are feeling. So, you know, we have talked a lot about uh, engaging your employees, which is really balancing the need for motivation and productivity with, you know, your employees feeling comfortable about being at work. And I think that right now, uh, the emphasis needs to be on the latter, right? We need to, um, you know, make the employees feel comfortable. And, and frankly, I think that, um, you know, there are lots of anecdotes of companies who have actually done a really good job of that in spite of, I think, some of the negative press uh, that we've seen, I believe, and I've I've seen firsthand in talking with customers that the industry has really responded, you know, pretty positively, and I think has done um, a good job of um, you know making their their workers feel valued and safe. Now, Peter, you mentioned a couple examples there. You you coordinate an industry council pretty regularly that focuses on labor management and employee engagement concerns. Can you give us any more insight into some of the specific things that, that those organizations have been dealing with or doing over the past few weeks to try to adjust to this dramatic reduction in throughput or volumes, or perhaps they're seeing volumes that are eclipsing their peak season, you know, if they happen to be in grocery or pharma or one of the other essential businesses? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and we had a meeting about a week ago where we had 52 customers on the line you know, sharing um, experiences about what they're they're seeing right now, and a lot of them are doing uh, or taking the kinds of steps that Steve mentioned earlier. Right, they're staggering breaks, 
Um, they're staggering, you know, shift time so they don't have everybody coming and going at the same time. Um, they're doing things like uh, eliminating the smoking area so people aren't congregating. Um, they are um, putting like no more than one or two chairs per table at the lunchroom uh, to keep people spread out. Um, and like I said, you know, they're also doing things like suspending or, or not enforcing policies around things like productivity and attendance. If somebody doesn't feel comfortable coming in and they don't come in, they're cutting them some slack. Um, you know, they're propping the door open uh, in the morning and in the evening so people don't have to touch the door. They're changing their time clocks from touch pads to swipe so that you don't have to actually touch, you know, a surface that somebody else has touched. Um, they are, you know, almost universally, uh, there have been significant increase um, in wages, um, you know, to get people to come to work, which I think is interesting because I think that's going to be, uh, you know, I, my view is that I think that, you know, wages had been on the rise within distribution previously. And I think that now that they've raised them, that's going to be very hard to unwind um, when we're done. And it's not just the um, essential uh, customers of ours or the customers in essential um, industries like, you know, we have lots of grocery, wholesale food, wholesale pharmaceuticals, healthcare. Um, you know, we have a lot of clients like that, but we also have a lot of customers who are, you know, high end fashion. And, and even the high end fashion people have said that while their volumes across their network have gone down, um, their channels, certain channels, like for example, e-com, uh, they're experiencing like a temporary peak season because even though the store channel is down, all the people that would have, you know, uh, shopped in a store are going to e-commerce. And so that is driving the volume in those facilities actually way, way up. So, um, you know, those are some of the things um, that we're seeing. And, and, you know, I think some of this stuff will have lasting effects on the industry. I don't think that everything's going to go away uh, as soon as the virus ends. So taking that a little bit further, Peter, a lot of the things you just mentioned were the, the near-term reactionary efforts that are required for these organizations to adapt on the fly. But as they look farther into the future, uh, what tools become critical for organizations when they have to engage with their employees, you know, wh what tools should distribution leaders be looking for trying to use in the future to minimize the impact of perhaps the next volatile disruption event, whatever comes next? It might not be as disruptive as a pandemic, but for those kind of big picture business disruptions, what should they be looking at in the future to make sure they're as adaptable and flexible as possible? Well, I, I think that, you know, visibility to performance is, you know, you know, probably more important now than it ever has been. Um, it's one thing to measure how people are doing day to day uh, when you're living in a, a fairly consistent, um, you know, uh, predictable world. And, and look, you know, recently uh, over the last few years, because of all the volatility with e-commerce and, you know, the changing, you know, patterns of consumers, it's been pretty volatile and yet, you know, nothing like it is right now. And so, you know, having control and visibility over your operation using, you know, products like 
you know, labor management and having standards in place so that you can measure what's going on. And even though people have stopped enforcing productivity, they still need to understand what the productivity is because that will inform them how many people, you know, they need to bring in to manage through these temporary peak seasons and, you know, surging volumes that they're seeing as a result of, you know, COVID. Um, on the other hand, I think that, um, you know, and I think this is going to be one of the lasting effects, uh, is that I think the industry is beginning to realize that it's not just about driving productivity. It's also about driving, you know, engagement of workers. You want workers who feel safe and comfortable, who are willing to come into work every day, even though, frankly, it's kind of dangerous. And so, you know, rewarding those employees, making sure that they understand that they are you know, recognizing them for, you know, sort of going that extra mile, making sure that they uh, feel, you know, showing empathy towards them. You know, I think that's what these people want. And in coming out of this, I think that the people who have been loyal to our customers are going to expect, you know, something back in return um, because I think, you know, they have put themselves on the line for these companies and I think these companies owe them something. So, engaging these people, you know, showing, showing recognition, rewarding them, um, you know, making them feel connected to the organization. These are all very, very important things. And I think something that, you know, will have a lasting effect, uh, whether companies like it or not, I think employees are going to become more demanding and expect more from their employers. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see some of the things we've talked about in the past about using digital devices and biometric capabilities that are in a lot of the digital devices today to monitor the health and, and help these employees feel more secure if that really starts to, to pick up in the future. Steve, if we look at the long tail impact potential of COVID-19 globally, how do you see this shifting the way distribution supply chains and the labor workforce working? Will we see more robotics in the future? Will the frailty of us as humans become more of a significant drawback or will the need to work and the suddenly deepened resource pool win the day? Yeah, I, to, to me, what is um, most obvious about uh, COVID-19 is uh, companies have not constructed resilient supply chains. They haven't done a good job uh, around risk management. So, I, you know, some of what you suggest, like automation, autonomous mobile robots, you know, we've done market studies in that area. That, that market's exploding. There's nothing about COVID-19 that's going to slow it down. If anything, it's going to speed it up. But when I think of the global supply chain, I, I think the combination of COVID-19 and um, increasing tariffs uh, around the world means we're going to have more distribution centers in different places. We might have fewer warehouses over in China and more in Mexico, uh, as an example. So, um, so when I think about automation and you think about the way tariffs can, tariffs and things like pandemics, you know, it, it seems like pandemics often come out of China, um, which is another reason maybe people will be a little less in addition to tariffs, a little less likely to want to have, you know, all their eggs in the China basket. Um, you know, when you think about traditional automation, you think about miles of conveyor lines. Once you put that stuff in, 
if something like this happens and you have to change your network of distribution centers, you know, that's a sunk cost. You, you basically, you, you throw those conveyors, you, you throw that stuff away. On the other hand, mobile automation like robotics is stuff that you can pick up and move to another warehouse. So when I think in terms of, uh, of risk management uh, in extended supply chains in distribution, I, I put a premium on uh, these mobile forms of automation that you can, you, you can lift up and move and put in another warehouse somewhere. Yeah, it sounds like adaptation flexibility is going to be the key going forward. All right, last question, Steve. Assuming this pandemic ends in the next few months, what does the D.C. labor market look like in six months? Do you expect a suppressed job market slowly coming back due to limited demand because so many have lost their disposable income? Or do you rather see it more likely that we'll see a massive influx of hiring to keep up with pent-up demand that gets released? I uh, am very much afraid that, you know, it's, it's not like you send people home and then you, you flip a switch and you bring them back and the economy just starts where it was. You know, just think about all those restaurants that had workers and they went home and the restaurants closed and the suppliers to those restaurants, some of them closed. I'm afraid it's going to be a bad recession. And uh, I'm afraid it's going to be a longer than average recession, which means that getting warehouse labor uh, might get very much easier within just a few months. Peter, Steve, that's all the time we have for this episode, but I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us today. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. 